Okay, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. This episode is going to be done in about three different parts. Maybe more, maybe less, but there are definitely three things that I wanted to talk about. The first is that I've been connecting with Blaine Blaine, also known as Goldcatcher, via the internet, and I would like to share some of the things that he has been posting online. The second is, I am also the host of the Zodiac Killer Interview with the Experts series on the Zodiac Killer channel, and I recently interviewed Michael Cole, author of the Zodiac Revisited trilogy, so please look out for that on the Zodiac Killer YouTube channel. And the third one is responding to your questions and comments. So, I said there were three things, maybe more, maybe less. Well, this is one of the maybe more things to begin with. For giving a shout-out to YouTube user Stefan Nyberg, who talked about how the full circle theory in the Zodiac Killer mystery is really fascinating. And that is the idea that the Zodiac Killer committed the first crime in 1962 with the murder of Ray Davis, and then committed the Domingos Edwards murders in 1963, where a couple were attacked on a beach. Very different crimes than what happened with Ray Davis, murdering a taxi driver, making weird phone calls. Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards were murdered on June 4th of 1963 on a senior skip day, and they were on a beach, and someone attacked them, for lack of a better term. And then, this is um, heavily connected to the final Zodiac crimes. On September 27th of 1969, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were attacked at Lake Berryessa. This is a confirmed, canonical Zodiac crime. In a very similar way as Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards. And they were um, tied up, they were attacked with a knife, and the perpetrator had a knife at the Domingos Edwards murders at Gaviota. So there are a whole lot of similarities between the second to the last Zodiac crime and the second unconfirmed Zodiac crime in some people's minds. Some people think the um, Zodiac crimes began before 1962. I'm definitely not one of them, but this is what becomes the basis of the full circle theory. Like, because two weeks after the... After the um, Lake Berryessa stabbing of Brian Hardnell and Cecilia Shepard, the Zodiac Killer murdered a taxi driver, Paul Stein. Again, a canonical crime, and that is the final Zodiac canonical crime. So it began with the murder of a taxi driver, and it ended with the murder of a taxi driver. The second crime was attacking a couple by the waterfront and tying them up and trying to attack them with a knife, cutting Linda Edwards' swimsuit. The second to the last crime was attacking a couple by the waterfront, carrying both a gun and a knife and pieces of rope and all sorts of similarities between the first crime and the last crime, the second crime and the second to the last crime, in what I call the full circle theory. And yes, I mean, Stefan has made some very good observations about that, but I am also the author of the book Killer on a White Horse, and I wanted to use that as the source material for, um, well, the source material came from the Zodiac Manson connection, and I put it out in the book Killer on a White Horse. My ambition was to write the Zodiac Manson connection as a novel, and I have another book that is hopefully going to be finished by the end of the year, which is just some short stories, but then hopefully in 2022, can you believe we're already at 2022? I mean, 
thinking about it anyway. Feels like future events such as these will affect you in the future. I'm really tempted to start my next novel about this, the full circle theory. And the reason I brought up Killer on a White Horse is not just to talk about my book, but because I really deviated from the source material. And I set the novel in Maryland as opposed to being in California. And there is... um. Of, it's set in the contemporary times as opposed to 1969. No, I think if I were to write this novel based on the full circle theory, I mean, the killer would be set in California. The dates would probably be the exact same. If you're going to talk about the crimes, people would be investing crimes on June 4th of 1963, September 27th of 1969. Use the real source material. I was really trying to be different with Killer on a White Horse. And maybe some people wouldn't think twice about that if they had no familiarity. Well, if you had no familiarity with the Zodiac Killer romance, and yeah, of course you wouldn't think twice about it. But even loosely, they probably would be like, oh yeah, it's a little bit like Charles Manson, I suppose. But no, with um this new book that I'm thinking about writing, it would be to put the full circle theory out as a novel. And... I mean, I haven't written a single word yet, but the reason why I'm talking to you guys about this is because I had an idea for a novel, and it was going to be about the Zodiac Killer connection to automobiles. Even the crimes that I just listed off, the unconfirmed crimes of Ray Davis, who was a taxi driver murdered in 1962, Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards were murdered, um, and their vehicle was parked on Highway 101, right? June 4th of 1963. A People are murdered fairly close to automobiles. It is one of the few commonalities among all the Zodiac crimes, definitely in the canonical crimes, at Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and Lake Berryessa, and the Paul Stein murder from 1968 to 69. Cars are one of the few commonalities that connect all of the crimes. And it's definitely not something that I would want to put out as nonfiction, because it's more or less just... A very simple observation, and how do I know that the the killer is actually trying to tell us this type of message? But if I were to put it out as a novel, well, I think that that is a little bit more justifiable. Not to mention, I would like to tell the story of it, but I was really hesitant about writing that book because I thought that it was a little bit too bland. I mean, about investigating the serial killer who's leaving these clues in automobiles, and like the cars are actually revealing certain pieces of information, and that some person is trying to figure it out and no one's going to believe him. And also, I really wanted to write a different story than Killer on a White Horse, and I didn't want it to be exactly the same. But after talking about the full circle theory here on Black Box Online Radio, you're always welcome to like and subscribe. You guys really help me out. And I'm reading that comment from Stefan. I figured out a way that I about how I could make the story more entertaining. And I can use that word entertaining if we're going to be talking about fiction. Like, I wrote the book Killer on a White Horse, and even though the stories would be completely unrelated, I was going to call this book about the automobile connection Killer by a Car Door. And even I thought, like, oh my gosh, that's so lame. But it was the only title that I thought was truly appropriate because... In that original concept that I had, I will share with you guys this. I mean, I haven't written a word yet, so I can change anything. 
there was going to be this guy who's investigating this connection, and he, he's just reading up on true crime, and he finds out that there's this connection to automobiles that is uniting a series of crimes that took place in California in the 1960s and 70s, and the clues are actually left behind on automobiles, and no one believes them. There's like, dude, shut up. That's not important. You don't know what you're talking about, and he's trying to put together this series of events, and... um. He's trying to string everything together into his own theory, and he calls this person the car door killer, and people are like, firstly, your theory's wrong, secondly, that's a really lame thing to call somebody, and um, it was going to be like a running joke throughout the uh, novel. I have no idea what the serial killer is going to be. I'm not going to call the person the Zodiac Killer if I do indeed write this book. I'm like 98% sure that I will. Once I finish this set of short stories, and... um then, well, that'll be out hopefully by December of 2021, so please look out for lots of new things here, and you can always go over to Amazon.com, get a copy of the book Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned Dahan, and another great way to support the channel is going over to the Teespring page, have a look at some of the merchandise, and remember, being weird is not a crime. Firstly, I do have to say a big thank you to Blaine Blaine for connecting with me on Facebook, and I'm... Really quite curious what he has to say. Blaine Blaine is also the informant who is known as Goldcatcher, and it, it, it's somewhat of a surreal experience. Even though I've talked to a lot of Zodiac researchers over the last couple years, back in 2011, I started reading up on the case and learning about all of these different names, and this year I was corresponding with Michael O'Hare, a Zodiac suspect that I learned about back in 2011, and Blaine Blaine, like, these are the people that I read about that seem so far away that there's no possible way that I could ever bond with them or even exchange a single word. I mean, gotta remember, like, I'm not really some type of expert. I'm just some guy who uh, reads books and watches documentaries like anybody else. But um, I do appreciate all of these people trying to talk to me. And Blaine uh, has a Facebook page where he talked about how, in 1984, the Zodiac Killer suspect, Richard Gajkowski, wrote him on July 5th, the date of Darlene Farron's death, and yes, I am reading something, just be reasonable, remembering context and known evidence against him, then consider the Zodiac card that was mailed to the San Francisco Chronicle on November 8th of 1969. I think even if he was not the Zodiac, that the S and a P are still a perfect match, or let's go to Brian Hartnell's Carmen Gia. Just be open-minded. Are not the four on the car door the same as the four on the zip code? And um, the thing with Blaine is that um, he definitely rambles a lot, but he has obtained handwriting samples from Richard Gajkowski, which are much closer to the Zodiac's handwriting. In the past, I've always discounted Richard Gajkowski as a Zodiac killer suspect because of his handwriting. I was like, not only does his handwriting not look like the Zodiac killer's, it's not even kind of close if what Blaine has posted um, is indeed Geik's handwriting, and, you know, he's just posting this stuff on his Facebook page, then, I mean, if that is indeed, it's much more similar. But Blaine continues by saying, I'm reflecting on the history of my discovery about Richard Gajkowski as I finally begin writing Gold Catcher and the Zodiac, rediscovering how it all began. 
and it seems like Blaine Blaine has a book in the works, and he does estimate that his book will be over 1,000 pages. A part of me is like, I really want to read that, but then part of me is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be pushing a boulder up a mountain if I try to read that. And not only me, everybody else who's going to be trying to read that book. I mean, a thousand pages, though. I'm curious, though. I'm curious. Like, my curiosity is at its zenith. The exact thing that Blaine has posted is, you see, here I am in my study, a thick volume of Gajkowski notes and clips set on my desk. My new laptop is here. I've already written an introduction to my planned 1,000-plus page book, but some might know, might not like how I begin with my Noah's Ark, where I have was given refuge, and then I find the old sea captain's trunk where I open the whole horror story, and it emerges, meaning what actually happened. I still see him there at his kitchen table, wearing his suit, coat, laughing, wondering if I think he looks like Dick Tracy. Now, a thousand pages, Blaine. I can't wait to read your book, but rambling, rambling, rambling. If you uh, reduce some of the rambling, maybe you'll go down to uh, 275 pages. And all I'm asking is for a narrative. But the reason why I truly wanted to talk to you guys about Blaine Blaine and his Facebook page is because he disputed the solution to the 340 cipher. Blaine Blaine, once again, also known as Purple Blaine, also known as Goldcatcher, the guy that brought Richard Gajkowski forward as a Zodiac Killer suspect. And I'll read something from that post. The crude attempts by mediocre scammers, Dale Julin, David Orinchak, Dirt Poor Richard, etc., either out of are either out of their depth or depend on skillful manipulation of internet in order to take fool of some people. Take Orinchak. Some time ago he messaged me about asking why I disclaimed his cracking the zodiac codes. His error is in misthinking tactics for strategy. But I wasn't satisfied with this post and this is why I truly decided to write to Blaine, because I said, it's interesting that you mention both Dirt Poor Richard, as well as David Orinchak, and um, their cipher solutions to the 340. I'm rather new to following your page. What is the correct solution to the 340? Blaine responded to me by saying, just study all the pages I referred to the 340 solution. In these pages, you will find it. And I think we're going to have to wait for his book to come out. I was being very critical of somebody for not revealing their solution to this E18 cipher in the uh, regularly scheduled Donna Lass episode that came out last Thursday. By the way, if you're, um, just to reinsert this, because it's an additional episode that I do, in um, including the AMAs on Wednesday, the Anything Goes segment on Friday, and of course Zodiac Mondays. On Thursdays this year, I've been doing a segment about the disappearance of Donna Lass that comes out every Thursday. And if you're curious about that crime, then I would uh, invite you to subscribe to the channel so you can follow along. But I'm not quite sure what Blaine means, and I hope that he's coming from a good place. I've said very clearly in the past, I do not believe that Richard Gajkowski was the Zodiac Killer, but I do listen to other people, and I try to evaluate what they're saying. And if there are a thousand pages that Blaine is going to compose in this book, Gold Catcher and the Zodiac Killer, I might be able to find something in there that I will agree with, and something that I will disagree with, and let's separate them, and let's talk about them. So um, I'm not sure when this book is going to come out. I just wanted to do another 
book promotion. I mean, of course, if you're if you can't wait that long, you can get a copy of the book Killer on a White Horse to keep you busy. Then my short story thing will come out, and hopefully, this Killer by a Car Door with a better title will come out in 2022. Let's just knock on wood right now and rich with possibility. But I said that there were other subjects that I wanted to talk about in this episode, and I did interview Michael Cole, who is the author of the Zodiac Revisited Trilogy, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. I have a couple episodes about Michael Cole out on this channel. Two of them are talking about his books, and one of them is talking about the questions and comments that people had about his material. It's an AMA, actually, in the most tacky fashion. AMA stands for Ask Michael Anything, and you can uh, find those here on Black Box Online Radio. Michael Cole is not a believer in this uh, corridor killer theory, the full circle theory, no. Actually, it's quite to the contrary. Michael Cole is an engineer by trade, so he noticed certain characteristics in the Zodiac Killer mystery that not a lot of people zoned in on, particularly the use of angles in, in a different way than Gareth Penn. And in fact, Michael Cole says that Gareth Penn was mostly wrong about things, and um, except for the fact that maybe, maybe on October 11th of 1969, the Zodiac Killer had Paul Stein drive him to a particular location so he would match up with an angle, but not the way that Gareth Penn described. But that is just a preview and a teaser for um, the interview that I did with him. Once again, please visit the Zodiac Killer channel. But with Michael Cole's theory, he really begins in 1963 with the Domingos Edwards murders. He does not think the Ray Davis murder was the Zodiac Killer, so it is quite different than that full circle theory. Instead, he thinks that um, there was this criminal who was operating from at least 1963 to 1970. There are a lot of points that I agree with and a lot of points that I disagree with. One of the claims that Michael Cole made in our interview on the Zodiac Killer channel was he believes that the disappearance of Donna Lass was genuine Zodiac activity. As I said, I do a regular segment about Donna Lass on Thursdays. I would dispute that with him. I do not believe that the Zodiac Killer abducted Donna Lass. Instead, I believe that, um, as of now, that Donna Lass was a abducted by someone who had direct familiarity to her, such as a co-worker at her place of employment, which was the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. Now, Donna Lass had people in her life that were outside of her circle of co-workers. I mean, how about somebody that she knew through friendly circles? She had been in the South Lake Tahoe region for three months, working in State Line, Nevada, nonetheless. But I'm not somebody who is a strong believer that any of the unconfirmed crimes were actually committed by the Zodiac Killer. So that's what I think Michael Cole and I would disagree on the most. But I'm at a certain point where, even if I am not 100% in agreement with somebody else's theory, I can appreciate how they created it. And Michael Cole's statements are not arbitrary I mean, he believes that the Domingo Edwards murders were committed by the Zodiac Killer, the 1964 murders of Johnny Ray and Joyce Swindle, the murder of Sherry Jo Bates in 1966, the canonical crimes, and the Kathleen Johns incident, as well as the murder of Richard Redditch, and the disappearance of Donna Lass, that these were all committed by the same person. And I said I would talk about some of your comments. Well, we have one about on the Domingo Edwards murders episode that I did last winter from the man who laughs, who says, 
there's an extremely high chance that the Zodiac was behind this law enforcement found circumstantial evidence. And in my interview with Michael Cole, and what he had shared with me in our previous conversation is, Sheriff Webster in Southern California looked at the Domingo Edwards crime as the work of either a sociopathic or psychopathic killer. And at once Johnny Ray and Joy Swindle were murdered in 1964, the authorities were believing that there was a single person who was responsible for both of them, and they were even going to dub this person the Sweetheart Slayer. And that's why there was a deviation from the pattern. And two years after the murders of Johnny Ray and Joy Swindle, this person attacked Sherry Jo Bates in 1966. It's the same person, it's just this the perpetrator did not want to go up to a lover's lane or an oceanside waterfront area where a couple was, because sooner or later the authorities would connect the dots, change the pattern, so he would not get caught. And I think it was in my conversation with Michael Cole that I had last summer that was um the, that I was doing to uh, prepare for the Michael Cole AMA available on this channel when he said it so clearly, and I really like how he phrased it. And I was like, well, how is how does your theory explain all the differences with the Bates murder? On October 30th of, of 1966, Sherry Jo Bates was murdered, and her body was found outside of the RCC Library. That's the Riverside City College Library on Halloween morning in the early a.m. hours. By early a.m., I believe it's, don't quote me on this, but I believe it's around 6 a.m. Again, please uh, don't quote me on that, because I'll have to double-check but she's found on Halloween morning. She's a woman who is attacked by herself. There's no man, no male victim in this case. She is stabbed brutally with a knife, whereas Johnny Ray and Joyce Swindle were shot. Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards were shot. What really is the way to reconcile all of this? And I liked how Michael Cole phrased it when he said, because of Sheriff Webster, because somebody was on to this, and it was published in the papers that... Um, that someone was establishing links and Sheriff Webster's comments were easily available to the general public. And the person deviated from that pattern and murdered Sherry Joe Bates. Michael Cole also heavily disputes the um, new revelation that the Bates had to die letters were a prank or a hoax. Um, if that press release that the authorities put out is correct, then somebody confessed to it in 2016. The authorities investigated and determined that after the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, three letters were mailed. And nice notation from Soren Korsgaard in his book, America's Jack the Ripper, saying they were written on binder paper, like line-ruled paper, saying Bates had to die, there will be more, and they're signed with a Z. One of them said she had to die, there will be more, signed with a Z. Somebody confessed to writing those in 2016, saying he was a troubled teenager at the time, I guess he was getting up there in years. He confessed to it. The authorities looked into him, and they determined that not only did he not murder Sherry Joe Bates, but he's also not the Zodiac Killer. And um, I talked a lot about that in the interview, but Michael Cole disputes that finding that this guy actually was the author of those um, letters. But, I mean, you can hear more about that in my interview with Michael Cole on the Zodiac Killer channel. But after our interview ended, Michael Cole and I just talked a little bit more casually for a while, and one point where I do agree with him is that after the murder 
of Paul Stein on October 11th of 1969, the killer did not walk to his home, that the Zodiac killer did not live in the vicinity of the Stein murder. So many people have a suspect that lives in the vicinity of Paul Stein. I mean, the Xenophon Anthony is a big one, Earl Van Best, and Gary Stewart's cockamamie theory, which has more or less been debunked. How about Shulkavale also lives somewhat nearby, if I remember correctly. But I don't believe that the Zodiac Killer lived in the vicinity of the Stein murder and that some guy murdered Paul Stein because it was a place near his home. He was familiar with the neighborhood where he was going to walk away, sneak down an alley, and then sooner or later make it back to his home where he could hide and change his clothes and so on. I don't believe that happened because I don't believe that somebody would risk getting caught on um, and going back to their home. I believe the person who committed the murder of Paul Stein lived in a different area, that they did not walk into their home three or four blocks away, maybe even 500 meters away. I just don't think it happened, and I think that that is way too risky of a behavior. Or I believe that if the murder of Paul Stein was committed, it is rather unclear as to why. Now, many people out there think that the murder of Paul Stein is quite different than other Zodiac crimes. That's not a controversial fact. At Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and Lake Berryessa, there's a man and a woman present. There is, they are couples. They are a man and woman together. You could dispute, okay, Mike Majot and Darlene Farron weren't really a true boyfriend and girlfriend because Darlene Farron was married to Dean Farron at the time. Maybe she's doing something with Mike Majot. Maybe that's like an innocent outing where Mike Majot wanted to do something with Darlene later on, but they mostly went to Blue Rock Springs Park on July 4th of 1969 to buy drugs. Brian Hartle and Cecilia Shepard definitely that believe that they had actually had um, intercourse prior to their, um, prior to the attack. Nothing against them for that. I mean, j- just stating something that has been sta- has been stated in the past. David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, the victims at Lake Herman Road, they were more or less on their first official date. They had been seeing each other for a while, as I understand from reading the police reports and Zodiac Killer, just the facts. But it was the first time they went out after David had been introduced to Betty Lou's family. And these are a man and a woman together. But after the Jensen Faraday murders... Mike Majot is shot at Blue Rock Springs. He survives. Brian Hartnell is stabbed at Lake Berryessa. He survives. Some people think that the Zodiac Killer wanted to prove that he could murder a man and that he didn't want to be viewed as a lady killer. He didn't want to be viewed as somebody who could target only female victims. And he wanted to prove that he could do something different. It could have been an effort to show criminal versatility. It could have been what Michael Cole has talked about, about lining up a certain angles, what Gareth Penn talked about, albeit in a different way, about how Paul Stein was murdered because a taxi driver could drive to a certain location, and it had meaning to the killer. The same reason why the Lake Berryessa stabbing was committed. It had meaning to the killer. Or maybe the Zodiac hoax theory is right, and that These were just crimes that were um, committed by unrelated individuals, and somebody wrote letters taking credit for murders that he didn't commit. There could be numerous reasons why that happened. These are just some of the theories about why Paul Stein was murdered 
on October 11th of 1969. But I said in this episode that I wanted to talk about Goldcatcher, Michael Cole, and also getting to your questions and comments, so let's do some of that now. I received one comment that was, um, well, at first I thought it was just an avid fan. It was from Stephanie Evans, who said, OMG, exactly what I needed. I was like, ah, somebody appreciates the channel. Then Stephanie said, my 18-plus photos are here, Purple Heart, and then there's a URL that is written in both English and Japanese. And I was like, damn spam robots. Ugh. But, um, anyway... Uh, that onto a real comment, and this is from Classic Chevy Cat, who says, Ned DeHaan, the busiest man on YouTube, love it. Hey, thanks a lot, uh, Classic Chevy Cat, but, um, I hope there is one day when I will be able to create even more things for you guys, believe it or not. And, um, Steph, a uh, Classic Chevy Cat, that is, says, I would like to add about a Zodiac book on the list of solid favorites, Mark Hewitt's Hunted. I really like his books. Besides, he lives here in Sonoma County, and I have to be true to my neighbors. Speaking of Sonoma County, one of my favorite movies is Scream, where Sydney is heading into her house in the hills. You can see the fabulous view. Ah, yes, but I believe Mark Hewitt is actually in Tanzania as we speak, not to give away too much from his personal life. No, I've talked to Mark Hewitt in the past. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He believes in the Zodiac Unabomber connection. And his suspect is, of course, Ted Kaczynski. You can hear all about that in my episodes. And I have one that talks about Mark Hewitt and Douglas Oswell here on this channel. It was done kind of like this episode, cut up into uh, three segments. I was talking a lot about Steve Hodell, who had shared some things in the comments section on Black Box Online Radio. And then I got into Gareth Penn for a little bit. And then also talking, of course, about Douglas Oswell and Mark Hewitt and the Zodiac Unabomber connection. But I do have an episode under that same title, Zodiac Unabomber Connection. We have a question from Hero Powers who says, Was wondering, do you think the Zodiac was inspired by the Phantom Killer? And my answer to that is absolutely yes. Ray Grant brought up a very good point about that in his book Zodiac Killer Solved when he talked about, in the Red Phantom letter, the, um, well, it's just that. It says, Red Phantom red with rage, and what Ray Grant said was, and I love the phrasing is, if he writes his name Red Ray Grant, that doesn't mean that his name is Red Ray Grant, his name is Ray Grant, but uh, talking about how the Zodiac said that, then red with rage, that means that his name is the Phantom, I'm the fan Red Phantom, red with rage, his name is the Phantom, he could be paying homage to the Phantom Killer. I said that in a very discombobulated way, but I think you can get the idea. The Zodiac may have directly alluded to being inspired by the Phantom Killer, who operated in 1946 in Texarkana, committing a series of crimes known as the Moonlight Murders. The Moonlight Murders happened between February and May of 1946, and they you have a hooded perpetrator attacking lovers' lanes. There's definitely a larger sexual motivation going on with the Texarkana Moonlight Murders and the Phantom Killer, but I highly recommend the uh, material put online by Jeremy Kennington and John Tennyson, as well as um, there's also a book out by John Tennyson called Did Duty Do It? And um, you can find all of that you know, in various places on the internet. But the next question is... Could the Phantom Killer be the Zodiac in the past, Hero? I absolutely disputed this, and I was like, no, it's not possible that the Phantom Killer could be the Zodiac. And I know that David Gold included that in his book, uh, My Dance with the Zodiac Killer, a book which um, a lot of you guys have been asking me about because I was very critical of David Gold. And firstly, 
I did have to realize that there are only 23 years from 1946 to 1969. 23 years, I mean, that's not impossible. What did Jack Sparrow say? Improbable. No, it's a horribly um, improbable theory. But do I think that the Zodiac Killer had direct knowledge and familiarity with the Phantom Killer from Texarkana, 1946? Yes, I do. Do I think the Zodiac Killer had direct knowledge and familiarity with Jack the Ripper in 1888? Yes, I do. Do I think the Zodiac Killer had direct knowledge and familiarity of the New Orleans Axeman in 1918 and 1919? Maybe not. I think the um, Zodiac was definitely familiar with Jack the Ripper, the Phantom Killer, and the murder of Sherry Joe Bates in 1966. The New Orleans Axeman, I could see the Zodiac overlooking that crime, or it wouldn't have been a direct influence on his activities. The Phantom Killer, absolutely. Now, a lot of you had been asking about David Gold and his book, My Dance with the Zodiac Killer. Do I think, do you think that I would do a debunking series on it? Or people would ask me that. Would you do a debunking episode on David Gold's theory about his Zodiac Killer suspect, Frank Morris, as well as the Anglin brothers? To provide some context, David Gold's book is about how the same group of people were responsible for the Zodiac Killer crimes, the Phantom Killer, D.B. Cooper, and the escape from Alcatraz in 1962. This is primarily operated by Frank Lee Morris, and his two accomplices are John and Clarence Anglin. My short response was, no, I don't think it's worthy of a debunking video, because maybe, just maybe, I got the phrasing correct for once. And I would put it this way. I don't believe David Gold is telling the truth. He also uses the name David W. Kuchar. He wrote the book My Dance with the Zodiac Killer. This whole thing about how there's this uh, super group of criminals who did the Phantom Killer, D.B. Cooper, the Zodiac Killer crimes, and these are the same guys that were involved in the famous escape from Alcatraz. What I think happened with that is David Gold is just being really weird. Is he a blatant liar? Maybe. Is he a paranoid schizophrenic? Maybe, but who am I to judge? But what I think actually is going on is, this guy came up with a theory on, if I put out this really weird idea, how far will it go? How can I get away with it? He just came up with a silly and ridiculous Zodiac Killer theory and wrote a book about it because that's just it. He wanted to see if he could get away with it. How far can he take this idea? Almost in the tradition of L. Ron Hubbard, except L. Ron Hubbard was probably a lot more intelligent. So, I think that's the uh, case-closed verdict on David Gold. Some of the reasons why people think this is, normally he uh, would learn about something on the internet. If there were a new discovery in the Zodiac Killer mystery, then he would make a video saying... I sat down with Frank Morris, and he told me these things directly. And uh, Classic Chevy Cat was talking about Mark Hewitt, and I discussed um, David Gold with him for a little bit after one of the times when I interviewed him. And what Mark Hewitt said was, I don't think that he's blatantly lying. I think that he's using it as his storytelling mechanism, like this is how he wants to present his theory. 
But in the world of nonfiction, that would probably still be in the category of not telling the truth. If he says that he actually had these conversations with Frank Morris, that number one, Frank Morris and John and Clarence Anglin survived the escape from Alcatraz, which I don't believe has ever been conclusively reported that they have, and that that um, he actually met up with Frank Morris multiple times. Frank Morris sat down and explained to him, okay, this is the artwork on the Halloween card. I saw Frank Morris and John and Clarence Anglin standing in a field on Halloween once, and they had a costume similar to the Lake Berryessa getup. I think that, um, well, I think, I've, I think I've been very clear about that. David Gold is selling a very weird story, just to see if he can get away with it. Let me think of a, of a wild, ridiculous Zodiac Killer theory. And can he pull it off? Are people going to listen to him? And that's what um, my take on his subject is. But thank you so much to everybody who has listened to this episode here. And if you'd like to follow the show on Facebook, you can do that. My personal Facebook is also in the description box. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at aol.com. A lot of books coming out in the future. I mean, I'll be putting stuff out, but I'm looking forward to Goldcatcher's book. And, of course, there are Michael Cole's books, the Zodiac Revisited Trilogy. Please visit the uh, Zodiac Killer page at any second now if you're listening to this coming out live. Maybe our interview with Michael Cole will be out. And you can always follow me on Instagram, blackboxnid88, and I will see you over there for the bonus podcast. Until next time.